This is the Infinite Flow Show. The Infinite Flow Show. The Infinite Flow Show. The Infinite Flow Show. Where hip hop, the gospel, and sports intersect. Sweatpants, got my bro with me like the best man. Even though my trouble said, got my problems coming full circle like a test game. Man, I came from the man, I came from the north side. I was made to have the mic on. Been dinner since four five. Hold up, pray to God it with my soul rise. Leave the legacy like old times. Humble living, letting go pride. Honesty when I close eyes. Damn, that's what y'all been thinking too. Ain't he dead? We got eight evaders on the sea. The caution with the red. Look so long, came back for long. Gone, y'all freeze up like cold stone. Pray to the throne, then beat the beat up to the bleeds out like stone cold. I'm in my zone, tougher than a two touch, too much. Lower the tone, good to be home. Reading the living word, gotta feel immersed when I'm on. God is my witness. There you go. 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 Hey, high, high level, ain't no break pass. Hey, how they strapping by themselves like Nike Air Max. Hey, when we ride, we don't crash, we got airbags. Hey, that was standing on them bus stops, we just ride past. Hey, I've been with God like the first grade. I stay healthy like first day. You can get it the worst way. No cake on your birthday. I say what my verse say. Bars rap like it's her shade. I put a ring my birthday. Let me give me pay mercy. My heart for the king. My hands to the plow, I work with the truth, I live with a smile, the king of kings, you should know it by now, every tongue confess, every knee should bow. Jehovah, Jehovah, you giving grace to my man like a customer, uh-huh. I am forever indebted, so I will forever serve you like a butler, uh-huh. whatever in me, whatever you need, I grind like a hustler, uh-huh. bring the church to the hood, of the hood to the church in a hoodie, a button up, on the block like two, three, but that's ball talk like Nuba, I could have died when I was like two, three, but Satan blew that, that's Tuba, I was trying to ball and got backboard, I was wasting round, that's Hula, I rep Christ, this action rap, I don't rap back, that's Nuba, I said pride, falling, Tall like Jordan, Saints all on my team, but I ain't talking New Orleans. Okay, I ain't G, but I ain't talking about stolen. But okay, I ain't G. That's the name that I'm calling bars. My heart for the king, my hands to the plow. I work with the truth. I live with a smile. The King of Kings, you should know it by now. Every tongue confess, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess, every knee shall bow. But then John says, as I looked at Jesus, I saw one, his voice was like a trumpet, a voice like many waters, which speaks of one who needs to be heard. See, back in those days, if you like sounded off a trumpet, 
It was a trumpet that says, hey, you need to stop, listen to what is being said and you need to take it and obey it. And so Jesus' voice is one that needs to be heard, but more importantly, needs to be obeyed. The second thing he said about Jesus was this, that his head and hair were white as wool and snow. Now, for those who are a little bit older, you get like, I remember actually you remember saying that I used to have like these fish bones that were growing in my beard, but that speaks of wisdom, right? We are growing older, but hopefully we are growing more wise as we grow older. Well, but Jesus He is the ultimate in wisdom. And so John, as he's looking at Jesus, he sees this one who needs to be heard, who has all wisdom. And then it says that his eyes were like flames of fire, speaking of judgment. See, here's the thing. If you don't submit your life unto Jesus Christ, and if you're not obedient unto Jesus Christ, one day he is going to return and he's going to return in judgment. And it's over. There is no, oh, wait a second. I want to, I want to, I want to repent. No, the time to repent was, has already passed. At that time, there will be judgment. And so the flames of fire speak of judgment. But then he also says this, and his feet were like burnished bronze, which speak of divine glory. But after that, he spoke and he said this about Jesus. And from his mouth came a double-edged sword. And see, that's where we get this from, where it says, to the angel of the church in Pergamum, these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged or two-edged sword. Now, what's the significance of a sword? Well, think about it. When you were a Roman soldier, there's things that you had on. You had a helmet, you had a breastplate, you had boots, but then you had your loins or your belt girded and in your belt, you carried a sword. That was the only offensive weapon that a Roman soldier would carry into battle. Well, here's the thing. The word of God is like that two-edged sword. God's word is that which protects and it's that offensive weapon. And what it does is this for the church, the word of God, it teaches us, it instructs us, it provides wisdom. It leads us unto righteousness. The psalmist said this, that thy word, speaking of God's word, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's what should lead and guide me in every aspect of my life. But here's the other thing that we should note about the word of God. In the book of Hebrews, It indicates that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The word of God also does something else. It judges our heart, our thoughts, our intentions, and our motives. The word of God has this ability to judge the sincerity of our heart towards following God. It's interesting that oftentimes you'll see people who or hear people say, yes, I'm a Christian. But then when you look at their lives and then you match it up against God's word, then you see there's something that's a little bit short in regards to how they are living their lives. They talk it, but it's not reflected in anything that they say, do or any actions. And so the word of God, in essence, says here is the standard. This is the standard in which we judge our lives. And are you meeting that standard or not meeting that standard? And so by stating that this message comes from the one with the two-edged sword, this is what John ultimately is stating. The church must listen to the message, the word of God, and follow it because it is able to lead you to eternal reward. But if you don't heed the word of God, In essence, what it will do is cut you open and reveal or demonstrate your disobedience and your unbelief. See, your life will be laid bare and it will will be exposed and your true heart will be revealed. The Infinite Flow Show 
where hip-hop, the gospel, and sports intersect. Marcus, first I want to start with the technical that got you ejected, that was then rescinded. What what happened there? I've never seen anything like that. It's ridiculous. It's obvious what's being done out here. It's on a nightly basis. I hope the world can see now what's really going on out here, because it's getting ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. But did it come out of your mouth accidentally? Is that yes. what happened? Yes, man. It's, this is ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. Yeah. DeMarcus is right. It is getting ridiculous. It is getting absolutely ridiculous that this man is acting like he acts in an NBA game. Now, for you guys who don't know, DeMarcus Cousins had a run in with the officials the other night as Sacramento was playing the Portland Trailblazers. DeMarcus, first and foremost, had an incredible game. Uh, he played his behind off. I think he had 54, 55 points. Um, shot the ball extremely well, was just unstoppable from an offensive standpoint. And so at one point in the game, DeMarcus gets the ball down low, makes a tremendous move, gets fouled. And after he gets fouled, he walks towards the Portland Trailblazer bench and just starts talking smack. And his mouthpiece, now it appears to me he spit it out, but he indicated that it fell out. But anyway, his mouthpiece comes flying out of his mouth towards the Portland Trailblazer bench. Now, supposedly he was upset with the center for the Trailblazers, Myers Leonard, and so that's who he was verbally attacking. But again, it appeared to me that the mouthpiece was spit out. It just didn't come out of his mouth. And because of that, he was ejected from the game because it was his second technical. And so in typical fashion, what does DeMarcus Cousins do? He doesn't just walk off the court. Full-on sprints off of the court into the tunnel like a kid who has his hair on fire. Now, something that I had never, ever, ever seen before is this. A guy get ejected from a game and then a guy get unejected from a game. So the officials... After Boogie Cousins runs off the court, they they huddle up and they change their mind. And they say, hey, you know what? We're not going to inject him. And so then he sprints back on to the court. <laughs> I'm not making this stuff up. I, I mean, it's impossible for me to make this up. So he comes back and he, and he finishes the game. And so after the game, you just heard the clip. He tells the, the uh, analyst, this is just getting to be ridiculous. Well, here's the thing. DeMarcus Cousins' actions are getting to be ridiculous. I mean, it's really getting to be tired. The guy is an unbelievable talent. He's a top 10, 15 player, you know, in the league. But all of the antics that go with his playing and with his teammates and all and etc., it just doesn't make any sense. None. What he needs to do is just go out and play. The guy can obviously play the game. He doesn't need the antics. He doesn't need the attention. He doesn't need to spit his mouthpiece out at anybody. He doesn't need to berate officials. Just play the game. And I think that would suit him really well. And maybe even his team and his teammates and the coaching, the coaching staff as well, if he would just go out and play. So, Boogie, do us a favor, man. Please. Stop berating officials. Stop spitting out your mouthpiece. Stop all the antics and go out and play like you can, like you know you can play the game. Coming up next, we're going to talk about not playing in your final bowl game. We've got a couple of guys um, in collegiate football who have decided that they're not going to play in their final game with their teammates. And so we're going to discuss that. Same practice. I know, I know. Look, I know I got enemies. 
trees in my path. If I got venom leaves growing in my trees, that villain scheming out fast. I know we can't get us free with no cash. Just trying to hit a speed of 103, ain't even leaving no gas. But the waist ragged, way down to the grave casket. The case can't crack it. Some things to take you backwards. If what I got on me's holding me down, I'm flying past it. Throwing weight off with me, bro, cause he calling me, I ain't passing. Yes, you got problems. I'll let you make the skies up. Free up your money, provide them. Listen the way you abiding. Don't look to the side and break your stride. Cause distraction in this race won't fly. That's right. John is saying, these are the words of Jesus. It requires something of us. The word of God requires something from all of us. Either I'm going to do it or I'm not going to do it. It's pretty cut and dry. It's pretty plain. Either I'm going to hear the word of God and do it or I'm not. In Jewish terminology, it's this. If a Jew heard the word of God, for them, it meant that I need to obey God's word. For them to hear meant to obey. It'd be nice if in today's world, Christians, when they heard the word of God, they didn't say, well, I don't like that part, so I'm going to put that off to the side. Or I'm not quite sure if that's applicable today. No, God's word is applicable at all times. And so when I hear God's word, I'm required to do something. I'm required to obey it. 
And so John then goes on in verse 13 and he says this. Again, he's speaking to the church of Pergamum. I know where you are living, where Satan's throne is, yet you are holding fast to my name and you did not deny your faith in me even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan lives. This city was really a jacked up city overall. Pergamum was a place where, note what he says, where Satan's throne is. Now again, Pergamum, think about the western portion of Turkey. It was one of the key Roman cities or one of the cities that was key within the Roman Empire at that time. When John is writing this, the Roman Empire is in full-fledged autonomy. And so from really west to east, it's Rome. And this city served as a key city within the Roman Empire. It was a religious center where temples were made up to Greek gods. The temples were also dedicated to the Roman emperors. And this is where you see the introduction of worship of Caesar or emperor worship. So imagine being a Christian in today's society and whoever the president is, if Obama, Clinton, Trump, whoever it is, and people tell you, you have to worship the president. That's what it was like. In this particular city, you were called to worship the emperor and to call him Lord. And so imagine if you were a Christian, that would cause some conflict because who is Lord as a Christian? It's Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. He is my savior. He is the only one that I'm to worship. But then people in the city are saying, you need to bow down to Caesar. You need to worship Caesar. You need to honor Caesar. You need to give all to Caesar. And so if you are a Christian, again, there's some conflict there. And so these individuals at, at uh, Pergamum found themselves in a city that was totally unrighteous, totally evil. And that was where the throne of Satan was. And so what, what were they to do? Here's the thing. Remember, Pastor Raul used to always say this, that as human beings, we are called to worship. That's, that's who we are. We worship. That's, that's our nature. Our, that's our essence. And so as people who are called to worship, we are, we, at some point, we are going to worship someone or something. It's, it, the other day I was looking at a, a YouTube video. It, I went to the internet. And it pointed to this YouTube video and it was a video of Kanye West at a concert and it was packed. I mean, so they had this video and you can, it was unbelievable. It was completely dark, but you know, people had their, their cell phones on and, and so it's lit up by cell phones. And at the time he's singing the song and every once in a while they'll cut off the music and you can hear the people repeating the lyrics. And then he would come back on and sing a little bit more. And then they cut off the song. And they they had those lyrics word for word for word. And it tripped me out because I was like, man, he's leading these people in worship. That's what he's leading. Language is off the Richter, right? But that's what he's doing. He's a worship leader. So when you see people like Kanye, Taylor Swift, The Game, whoever it is, that's what they're doing. They're leading people in worship. That's what we are called to do, to worship. But our worship should not be unto an artist or anybody else. We are called to worship God and God alone. The Infinite Flow Show, where hip-hop, the gospel, and sports intersect. Well, the college football season is quickly closing, 
for this uh, 2016 season. Um, we're in to bowl season at this point, and so you got bowls that are that are happening, and we've got some big games that are obviously coming up here on uh, December 31st with the the bowl championship series games. But you've got some games that are being played that, from an important standpoint, aren't highly important. However, you've got teams that are finalizing their season and you've got guys on those teams that are you know, potentially playing in their last collegiate football game. But we've got a couple of individuals who have decided that they're just not going to play in their final collegiate game. They're not going to play with their teammates. They're not going to finalize the season. And I'm specifically speaking of Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette. Both of these guys are going to be drafted. They're going to be playing on Sundays. Um, so they're going to be making money um, playing professional football next year sometime. However, both of them have decided that they're not going to play in their team's bowl games. Christian McCaffrey, his team is playing North Carolina in the Sun Bowl. And many people might say, it's the Sun Bowl. Who cares? No one cares about the Sun Bowl. No one cares about going out to El Paso or even watching this game. And you know, on the flip side, you got Leonard Fournette, who I believe is playing in his team. LSU is playing in a bigger game. They're playing in the Citrus Bowl and they're playing Louisville, who, who is a good team and has the Heisman Trophy winner. Now, at the beginning of the season, Leonard Fournette was one of the top contenders for the Heisman Trophy. However, or unfortunately, I should say, he got hurt, um, had uh, you know some issues with his ankles, and so really never got into the fray when it came to the Heisman Trophy. Um, you know, you know, as far as contention and you know him, people speaking about him, you know, being up for that award. I don't even know if he. I think he he ended the season with under a thousand yards. So he just didn't have a good season, but that was due to injury and him being hurt. And so when you look at both of these guys, again, Christian McCaffrey running back for Stanford, Leonard Fournette running back for LSU, they have decided again, not to play in their upcoming bowl game. The reason being is they would like to get ready and prepared for the NFL combine. Now I get it. You, you want to be healthy. You want to, you know, give your all. You want to, you know, make a, a good presentation in front of, you know, NFL coaches and scouts and for teams who are potentially going to draft you. Um, both of these guys are probably going to go in the first round. And so I, I, I get it. But here's the other thing, though, that I don't get. Both of these guys have played or have attempted to play the entire season. And now, at this point, you want to stop. And the way I look at it is you're quitting on your team. Christian McCaffrey, has, he, now he's had a pretty good season. He's had over 1,600 yards. It wasn't the season that he had last year in 2015, but he had a solid season. And now the last game of your collegiate career, the last game with your brothers that you have been playing with, that you have – you know, sweat, blood, and tears, you have decided not to play with them. I don't get it. Why not? It seems to me that you would want to finish what you started with these guys. Now, now if you were that concerned about getting hurt and et cetera, then you shouldn't have suited up at all for this year. You should have just said, hey, you know what? I'm going to pass. I'm going to wait until the combine and then, you know, see what happens with the NFL. But no, you suited up at the beginning of the year. I, again, I believe he's had some injuries throughout the season, but he suited up and and played the entire season, basically. So finish. I mean, the guys that you are playing with, these guys want to finish their season strong. I'm sure the coaching staff would like to finish strong. And I'm going to guess that, you know, many guys have come up to him and say, hey, I understand. I get it. You know, we're in full support of you. But I bet you deep down within them, his teammates are saying, dude, finish with us. Let's complete this season on a high note. For some of these guys, again, it might be their last collegiate game ever. And I'm sure that they would like to go out a winner. I'm sure they would like to say, you know what? 
my last season at Stanford, we went out and we won our last ball game. Now, for Christian McCaffrey, it might not be a big thing, but for these guys, I'm sure it is. And so I, I just think that he should finish. I was listening to Keyshawn Johnson the other day, and he was saying basically the same thing. He goes, it, it seems like they're quitting. And I don't. I wouldn't want a guy on my team like that, especially when I get to the pros. I don't know. Hey, you get a little little banged up. You have a little injury. Are you going to quit? Are you not going to continue? Are you not going to step out and play? Now, Leonard Fournette. I I think he should. If he's healthy, I think he should go out and play as well. Now, again, he's had injuries throughout the season, and so I'm a little more forgiving of him because he has really truly been banged up all season long and if he's not healthy then I would say okay you know don't go out and play in this last ball game but if he if he is healthy man I would want to go out and try to beat the brakes off of Louisville the guy the team that has the Heisman Trophy winner I would want to get in there and beat their behind and make them go out as a loser for their season and so I wouldn't want to compete against the best if I was Leonard Fournette. I wouldn't want to compete against Louisville and demonstrate that, you know what, maybe I should have been up for the Heisman or I should have been in more contention for the Heisman. And especially if I was healthy, you would have, in essence, you would have seen who potentially could have won this trophy. And so I think, again, both of these guys, they're great players. They've had great careers. But I think it's all about finishing. You should finish what you started. Finish well. Coming up, we're going to talk about uh, comments from Terry Bradshaw concerning Coach Tomlin. He, he said that, Terry Bradshaw that is, he said that Coach Tomlin is a good cheerleader. Interesting. I put two and two together because wherever he go, along with that draw, he probably got a foe. Straight ball, he ain't sitting at the bar. Smith and Wesson on the hip, got the Glock in the car. Flocks on deck, just in case he need a bird to look fly with. Polo in the mall, he would buy it. Confidence and swag, I would try it. Walking to the school with a mask on, nobody was buying. The game I was selling, got the tales of a felon. But the sentences ain't matching the crime. So I yell at the director, cut scene. I changed my wardrobe, because his life ain't matching with mine. Let me change my life. my whole life, keeping my clothes tight. They say I'm insane. I've been running with low life, party the whole night, I swear yeah, I won't change. I've been running my whole life, keeping my clothes tight, they say I'm insane. I've been running with low life, party the whole night, I swear yeah, I won't change. Yeah. I mean, you can't be stupid your whole life, you gotta grow up eventually. DJ, play this song, play this song, DJ. Maybe we can change the world. DJ, play this song. Play this song, DJ. Maybe we can change Excuse the world. Excuse me, um, I'ma make my way through the crowd, bruh. I'm just trying to dance with nostalgia. Classy and charming and beautifully dressed. Of course, I'm looking fresh in my fedora and vest. If looks could kill, she about to do damage. Better take a pic, make a quick Instagram it. Too old for skinny jeans, too young for linens. Got a young man's fresh with an old man's wisdom. A godly leader respected up on the block. You got your band too, knocks, twist curls. I'ma act cool, Eddie Murphy, Boomerang You the flavor, Halle Berry, mm, sweet thing We could be more, I could still be your king You and Tracy Ellis Ross, queen Child of the Supreme I'm talking about love, they talking about lust oh. They don't wanna grow up, but we don't wanna talk You better walk the walk Girl, you know we gotta work to stay in love Oh, when I'm feeling high Oh, when I'm feeling rough You change my world all I know is that you start it up I keep moving You got my heart, you got my soul, don't stop Because I keep moving You got my heart, you got my soul, don't stop Because I keep moving You got my heart, you got my soul, don't stop Because I keep moving
yeah, yeah. I only rap one king, yeah, 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 yeah. So please do not fall. Please do not fall. When my vision was blurry, my faith kind of shaky. This stop, I just crawl. This stop, I just crawl. I look at this world and we do not have an example at all. Examples at all. But Christ, my assurance, I'm straight. If I got my back on the wall, put a stack on it. Guaranteed any beat, I can rap on it. About the king coming down for the trap on me. And then three days later, coming back on it. What they rip, I DK. I don't know, this here is IDJ. Underlay, give them praise all the day. I'm committed, I do it till I DK. Till I seen the holes in his hands, seen the holes in his hands. then the love in his feet, the love in his feet. then the blood in his side, the blood in his side. then the stakes in his feet, oh. then the grace on that cross, the grace on that cross. then my back when I turned my it, back when I he turned chose it. to love me regardless. regardless. He gave me this life, I didn't earn it. And so, that is the call for us as a Christian to worship, to truly worship God and to worship Him and only him. And so therefore we are called to hold fast to the name of Christ. This city Pergamum was a city that was filled with idolatry, with false worship, with pagan worship. The inhabitants in essence provided Satan a throne so that he could take residence and dominion in their city. That was their choice. But the Bible says this for the Christian. He says that you are called to worship him and only him. That's the only individual in Deuteronomy six. It says this. I set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. You get to choose who you're going to worship. The Bible in Deuteronomy also says this here. O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord God is one. That's the only one that we are to worship. And so the church at Pergamon sat in the midst of this type of environment. And so imagine how difficult it was for them. Again, Christians were being told to worship Caesar and not God. And it reminds me, if you know the story of Lot, think about Lot as a righteous man. The Bible says that he was greatly distressed by the, by the licentiousness, the, the sinfulness, the lawlessness for he lived among them day after day and was tormented in his righteous soul by their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Now, I have a Twitter account and I follow my son on Twitter just to make sure he doesn't say crazy stuff on Twitter, right? <laughs> but I follow him on Twitter and one of his tweets the other day it was this, man, God must be coming back soon because this world is crazy. Think about the world that we live in today in the year 2016. It's crazy. I mean, we got people who are blowing stuff up in our country. We got this presidential election. And quite honestly, I'll, I'll put it out there. I'm not sure I would vote for either one of the two candidates. We have um, same-sex uh, marriage that is in full effect. We have this gender issue that's in full effect. And I was telling my wife the other day, there's a community up in Northern California that they truly believe that their identity is that they are dogs. That's the kind of craziness that we find ourselves in. They truly believe that they are dogs. I don't know if they eat Alpo or whatever they're eating, but that's what, that's what they believe that 
I am and I identify as a dog. Just like you have people who say who are biologically male who say, you know what? I identify though as a female. We have Bruce Jenner, Kendall Jenner. I I told my wife, I said, I'm gonna call him Bruce because that's what his mama named him, Bruce. I remember watching him in the 1976 Olympics. He was a man and he and no matter what he wants to do to try to transform the outside, God made him a man. But that's the world that we live in. Imagine this. So that's how crazy the world is. But like the Bible says, there's nothing new under the sun. See, the church at Pergamum was facing the same types of difficulties. And Jesus, he commends them. You know why? Because he says this, you have held firm to the name of Christ. You are holding fast to following after me. You did not, and the, the word in the Greek actually means to abandon or estrange. He says, you have not denied me, abandoned me, or you have not become estranged from me and the faith. He's a great coach right, at all. Um, he's a, he's a nice coach, and he's a to me. I, I and I've said this. I'd said oh, he's a, he's he's really a great cheerleader guy. I don't know what he does, but I I don't think that he's a great coach at all. Never even, his name never even pops in my mind when we think about great coach, coaches in the NFL. Now the Chris, coach, the, 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 the coach <laughs> before him, Bill Cowher. Did you think Bill was a great coach? I think Bill Bill came in. Yeah, I think Bill was Bill was. I think Bill came in and took over a team that had been struggling. And when you take over for Chuck, and, and you know, even though even the, the Steelers had some good years, really good years, and then they kind of you know, for, by their standards, kind of mellowed out. And at Chuck's end of Chuck's career, in comes Cower. Cower kind of gave him that boost to get him back up and win a Super Bowl. So those are. Pretty interesting comments from uh, Terry Bradshaw there concerning Mike Tomlin. I'm not sure I quite agree with those comments, but they're interesting. Uh, I'm not quite sure what it is that Terry Bradshaw has against Tomlin. It seems like there's something he's holding against Tomlin. I know previously Bradshaw's had some issues with uh, Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger from uh, um, the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm I'm not sure what it is if he's thinking that, hey, you guys aren't as good as when I played or you guys should be better. I, I don't know. But here's the thing. He indicated that Bill Cower was a great coach. That's what he said. He goes, he's a great coach. And I've, it seems like he's had more relationship or better relationship with Bill Cower. But he said he's a great coach. And Mike Tomlin is not a very good coach or not a great coach. He goes, and he indicated he's a cheerleader. Now, to me, that's insulting. A cheerleader? I mean, the guy has put in his dues. He's coached collegiately. He's coached professionally. He's been a head coach. This is his 10th year as a head coach. A cheerleader? I don't know about that one. But that's what he indicated. He's a cheerleader. And then he went on to say, I'm not quite sure what he does. Are you... Are you for real? He's the head coach. Now, I started to do a little bit of research and just looking at numbers. And now I know oftentimes numbers don't mean everything. However, I think they're pertinent to this discussion. In Bill Cowher's first 10 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was 99 and 61. That was his record. 99 wins. 61 losses. At 
this current time, Mike Tomlin is 101 and 57. So he's going to, even if he loses the last two games of this current season, Mike Tomlin will still have a better record at the 10-year mark than Bill Cowher, who Terry Bradshaw stated was a great coach. Here's the other thing. Mike Tomlin, got a, as a head coach, achieved a Super Bowl victory in his second year as the head coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He also has a, an AFC championship as well. Bill Cowher has only one Super Bowl, and he didn't get that one Super Bowl until his next to last year coaching, his 14th year, and he too has one AFC championship. So if you look at it, at this current moment, they, you know, I'm comparing apples to apples here. They're basically the same. Their career records are basically the same, and they've achieved basically the same. They both have a Super Bowl title. They both have an AFC championship. So what the heck is Terry Bradshaw saying? That Mike Tomlin is a cheerleader and Bill Cowher is a great coach. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not sure where the statement is coming from. It seems to be coming out of left field, but it's it's apparent that, at least to me, that there's something going on there that Bradshaw is holding against Mike Tomlin. Now, I'm sorry to say this, and I, I know people are always saying, okay, you know, they hate when people pull out the race card. And as an African-American, I you know, oftentimes I look at things and see things maybe a little bit differently than others. But it reminded me, these comments from Terry Bradshaw reminded me of the comments that were made about Charlie Strong, the former head coach at the University of Texas, uh, the football coach. Now, granted, Charlie Strong, he didn't achieve what I'm sure he would have liked to have achieved at UT. Um, He didn't appease the fan base. He didn't appease the boosters. But Charlie Strong had proven himself as a head coach. When he was at Louisville, he had a great record, led his teams to great victories, bowl game victories. I mean, he had done a great job there. But I remember one of the boosters said, I'm not sure if Charlie is the right person for the job. He's. He, I'm not sure if he could be a head coach. He can maybe be a good defensive coordinator, but not a head coach. And it seems to me that for African Americans, when they get into positions like these, head coaches at you know prestigious institutions, or in this case for Mike Tomlin, he's at a place where Pittsburgh has had great success. You know, from a historical standpoint. It seems to be that, you know, African-Americans are are held or must achieve at a much higher level than their white counterparts. I'm just saying it is what it is. I remember my parents used to always tell me, you have to be better than your white counterparts. And it seems that that's the case here. Again, you might not like what I'm saying. You might not like that I'm so-called pulling out the race card. But that's what it seems like because, Again, when you look at the records, Mike Tomlin's record is just as good, if not better, than Bill Cowers. And so, I'm not, again, not sure where Terry Bradshaw is looking at, not sure where those comments came from, but I think he needs to check himself and maybe do a little more searching and research before he makes comments like this. What? What are you talking about, man? I'm tripping. Here we are in the what y'all are tripping segment. Well, earlier this week, we had an incident with Grayson Allen, who is a guard for the uh, Duke Blue Devils. Grayson Allen has this, uh, this habit of tripping people. I'm not sure what that's all about, but um, he's tripped some guys last year and then most recently uh, Duke was playing uh, Elon, and he was guarding a guy, and the guy uh, drove baseline and then spun back, and Grayson Allen couldn't keep up with him. And so what did he decide to do? Let me stick out my leg and trip you. On purpose. <laughs> Not an accident. On purpose. And so Grayson Allen, 
He gets a technical and then he proceeds to go to the bench and has a meltdown. The kid looked like he was five years old. I mean, he threw a temper tantrum on the bench. Guys were trying to console him. Coaches were trying to calm him down. And he was hitting the seats like like a five-year-old. I I had never really seen that. I mean, I've, you see guys melt down and get angry, but this, was, this wasn't like that. This was a temper tantrum. And so... I'm not sure what's going on. I heard somebody say on or was reading something on Twitter saying looks like he's got some emotional issues or he needs to go to counseling. And I don't want to make light of that. Um, You know, there are obviously some people who truly need counseling and they need to see someone on a professional basis. And so I, I definitely do not want to make light of that. However, it appears that, Grayson Allen, he needs to sit down and maybe speak to someone in regards to, you know, emotional stability and, you know, making sure that he takes control of his actions on the court because it's not okay to trip people playing basketball. I mean, this isn't soccer and I'm not a huge soccer fan, but you see the guys, you know, playing professionally and they'll get tripped and, or they'll, you know, somebody will do a slide tackle and then guys will fall out like they, they're hurt and, you know, that they, they broke a leg or something. And then next thing you know, they're popping up and they're right back in, into the action. But, I mean, this isn't soccer. This isn't football. I mean, this is basketball. Uh, and Grayson Allen is skilled enough and he's talented enough that he can play the game without doing things like that that take away from – the playing of the game that take away from the success of the team because Duke's got a good team. Don't get, don't get it twisted. They got a really good team and he's an integral part of that team, but you can't be, you can't go onto the court and trip people for no apparent reason. There's, there's, there's no reason for it and it's uncalled for. And so Grayson Allen, he gets what y'all tripping. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. We will have new episodes every two weeks, so come back and join us for the Infinite Flow Show, where hip-hop, the gospel, and sports intersect.